It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And he has had two dominant victories to talk about on that post game show the last couple of weeks. The Cowboys uh, drub the Jets uh, in week two, 30 to 10 at AT&T Stadium. Brian, I know you and I were kicking around uh, potential scores and things like that. I, I don't think either of us had a 20-point victory. You were a little more high scoring than me, I know. Uh, but the Cowboys come out of this one. Another really impressive day for the defense. Uh, the offense started strong, uh, may, maybe spun their wheels a little bit in the second half, but we'll dive into all of this. Uh, your your macro takeaway, your your big thing. What's your what's your one big takeaway coming out of this game, Brian? I was really surprised at the arrogance to which the Jets play that football game defensively. Mm. I, I feel like that they knew they were in some trouble offensively. Everybody that we had a chance to visit with, Bobby, you mentioned you're one of the Great guests that we have on the the Cowboys pregame show. We had Bob Wischusen, who does the Jets uh, radio broadcast. Uh, you know, a very accomplished media member, good eye, been around a lot of good football. You know, in his day, so I got the detection there was a little bit of uh, apprehension by him for the offensive side of the ball for the Jets. Talking to Tracy Wolfson from CBS, she was talking about jet confidence, but you know, there's things that they're going to have to do to have success. Um, I don't think we overrated the the jet defense at all. Uh, I think they have outstanding players. I also think the Dallas Cowboys have some outstanding players. Yeah. But I mentioned the arrogance in which the Jets played defense. And it's something that I think that they're going to learn from and probably be better for it in the future. And that's that when you keep your corners on the same side of the field, I mean the same side, a right corner and a left corner, and you don't show the flexibility to be able to travel with. And I think it's something that Sauce Gardner, the very talented corner from the Jets, came out and basically said, hey, let me travel. Let me." And there's some schemes that – I know under the uh, uh, the previous regime for the Cowboys defensively of not Mike Nolan, but uh, you know what we saw you know back in the day was a uh, with Rod Marinelli was the he was not really willing to always travel with guys, and yep. that's because they always fear that if you travel with, it'll change everybody else's responsibility in the defense. So there's some positives, there's some negatives, according to defensive coordinators. 
But the arrogance of which the Jets played, they felt like that their pass rush was probably good enough to get pressure. It didn't. They probably felt like that they could cover on the back end playing mostly zone. It didn't work. So there was some real arrogance there. The fact that Mike McCarthy in the pregame with Brad Sham, well, I take that back. Post game, uh, when he when we we heard Coach talk, he mentioned that they were concerned about with no cooks in the game for the Cowboys. How would the Jets play? Would they try and bracket? Would they cover? Would double cover? Would they try and take C.D. Lamb out of the game? And they really didn't. And Mike. McCarthy and his staff give them a lot of credit. I know I'm one of those guys that, you know, people that listen to us say, well, Broadus, you don't like McCarthy. No, I, it's not that I don't like Mike McCarthy. I'm just, you know, I'm happy things are working out for him. I really am. I'm, you know, I want to see the Cowboys win football games. I want to see him move the ball. I want to see him score points. So, sure. But I'm going to give Mike McCarthy and his staff some credit here. They kept moving CeeDee Lamb around, and the Jets really didn't have an answer for that. And once – once that the Cowboys figured out that there was not going to be a traveler, they're not going to bracket, they're not going to play man coverage, then they went to work on with CeeDee Lamb throwing the football. It, did, it didn't turn into, even though Jalen Tolbert played well in his first big stage opportunity, and I say first because last year was an absolute disaster for him. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to say this to me is really the first time that we'll, you know, we've seen him play on this big stage like this. I think he did very well. Michael Gallup, they've got to figure out ways to get Michael Gallup going. But, like I say, the Jets' arrogance of just allowing CeeDee Lamb to wreck shop on them um, is something that they're going to have to look at for their football team and in going into the future because if you're going to just continue now to play the way they did, you, you better make sure that pass rush gets home if that's what you're going to do. And the Cowboys did a great job of neutralizing that. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you mentioned there that, um, you know, they they played it arrogantly in terms of they thought their front four would be enough to get home with the pass rush. They played a lot of zone, thought that'd be enough in the back end, and it wasn't. I I do think that, at least for me, I don't know about you, Brian, I thought their front four was going to be enough to get home on the pass rush. Now, now I wouldn't have sat in zone all day and not moved the but I thought their front four was good enough to, to potentially take advantage of the Cowboys' offensive line. Kudos to the Cowboys offensive line doing what they did. Um, and, and, you know, they continue to get the ball out quickly. That's going to neutralize some of the the pass rush ability. Um, so I thought that that was a good job by the Cowboys. But this is something that I think specifically we had talked about, too, was the idea of the one area where you've probably really got an advantage over this really good Jets defense is because they don't move guys, you yeah. could move CD around and you could find right. the matchup and t- exploit it. And that's what the Cowboys did uh, and to a lot of success. This is something that, when you look in the first half, if you take CeeDee Lamb's plays out of it, Brian, if you take any time where CeeDee Lamb was targeted, the Cowboys ran 36 plays at three yards a pop. Yeah. And so, I mean, this was a, a CeeDee Lamb carried offense, that connection right. between Dak and CeeDee in the first half, and really kind of put them on good footing to do what they would do the rest of the game. But this, again, obviously was a game about the defense and, and just how dominant this Cowboys defense is, and it was right out of the gate. It was Demarcus Lawrence making a play in the backfield on the first carry of the game. It was Micah Parsons. I don't know that I've seen Micah get in the backfield. I don't know if I've ever seen a player get in the backfield as quickly as Micah did there. Yeah, there's all there's all kinds of metrics that were measured that he was it was the quickest get off time or that they they'd been able to measure this year. But if I, if I could, let me just finish up with the offense, Bobby. And yeah, yeah. Your point is well taken. 
about the others. Mm-hmm. The thing that I want to say about this Cowboys offensive line is that they really do look out for each other. And and I mean look out for each other the way that Tyler Biotish is able to help a Doga on a play or he's able to kind of help when he needs to a Zach Martin. You know, I mean, they, they do a good job of passing stunts inside. They do a good job of being in position. They look very assignment sound. Um, you know, there was a couple of times in the red zone where – Tyron Smith got a holding penalty, and then he whiffed on a block on the you know that caught, lost him two yards. But overall, though, the way that the inside three have played these two games for the Cowboys, and Zach Morton is a Hall of Fame player. Tyler Biotish isn't a Hall of Fame player, and neither is Adoga. But they have done a really good job, and we mentioned Tyron Smith has turned back the clock. One pressure, 41 snaps of – of opportunity for pass block and stuff. Terrence Steele got rocked one time, but you know, you know, it's going to happen to him in, in these games. But overall, those five guys have done a really nice job. And and you and I really believed that Adoga was going to be a liability. But what they figured out that if Adoga is in like that phone booth of playing guard, and the defender is willing to rush him just directly up the field and try and just run over him, that defender's not going to get to Dak Prescott. You know, that's – and they did, a, they did a good job. They did a good job the, the, you know, of, of, of not turning this into a game where both defensive lines were just wrecking shop again. There's that phrase again on each other. The Cowboys clearly took advantage of the Jets' offensive line. And the Jets could not take advantage of anything with the Dallas offensive line. Yeah, and I mean, somebody, you you mentioned there the guys on the interior, you, you know, Adoga not being a, a Hall of Fame player, Tyler Biotis not being a Hall of Fame player. Uh, you know, who's also not a Hall of Fame player, at least not yet. I guess we can't claim anything yet with the guy. But TJ Bass, uh, who had to come yeah. in and play the entire second half, and I thought played well. I mean, there were, there were this- several reps where I thought he handled – Went in Williams really well, and I was I had somebody I was talking to somebody uh, before the game the other day, and I just said something you know watching uh, down on the field I'd noticed Bass was down there and I just had made a comment about you know uh, Bass he's kind of the stuff we talked about I said you know Bass he's a gamer and you know they were they were saying like that's a powerful guy that's a strong guy he can move some people see this is where. Again, I'll give Mike McCarthy some credit. Um, you know, hey, I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong about things. But this is where I give Mike some credit. By not playing his starters, and okay, there was also a Zach Martin holdout. You know, so that kind of made you have to do some unorthodox things. But yep. by not playing his starters, you got three games of TJ Bass playing. You got three games of Awesome Richards playing. You know, you got games of these guys lining up and playing and playing a lot of snaps, playing the whole game. You know, that's what you got. And so it makes it a little bit easier. It's not a it's not a shell shock situation when TJ Bass's numbers called and he has to go in there and play. There's been times where he's had to work against the ones and twos in Jacksonville, the ones and twos of of Seattle uh, Seattle Seahawks. Ones and twos of the uh, the Oakland, uh, excuse me, Oakland, the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, you know, 
I have their pennant somewhere here. It's over on the other side. The, <laughs> I see it. I, I see Oakland, it's over your shoulder there. Over, over my shoulder, the Oakland Raider pennant. Yeah. But see, yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's that that's by by playing those kids, they get experience. I know it's preseason football, but it's experience. It's not a it's it's not too much for them. So good for them with the offensive line. Good for Mike Solari so far through two weeks. Um, this group is has pulled some things together and, and, you know, they're going to have to figure some things out in the red zone, but they will. Yeah. And, and when we talk about it, who did you think, cause I mean, it was pretty much split one half to the other. Uh, who did you think played better in this game? Adoga or, or Bass? Cause Adoga is dealing with the elbow issue. He's apparently going to be limited in practice on Wednesday. We'll see about his status. It may be that Bass has to go again, but did you think one guy played better than the other? I kind of felt like Adoga was pretty good in this game. I really did. I mean, I, th- when you look at initially the the drives that they were able to have and the way they're able to sustain some things, I kind of felt like that he was a little bit better. But that's you know, and I was I was a guy that was screaming for TJ Bass to play in the first place. You know, oh no, you know, but just because I didn't see Adoga playing guard, I saw him mm-hmm. playing tackle, and I saw him not being very good. And I'm thinking, man, I hope this, I hope my eyes are deceiving me here. But when you when you put him in a situation where there's a, not a lot of space, I was worried about the quickness of Quentin Williams, honestly. And I, you know, and I was and I was really you know worried about Quentin Jefferson, the quickness that those guys were going to play with. Those guys inside handled all that. They really, really yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Now there were a couple times. I, I I don't know. I didn't end up hurting them. There were a few times where I felt like, you know, uh, I think it was Williams got him a couple times. It was Jefferson one or two times. Biotish kind of got rocked, kind of got driven He's going to get rocked. Times, which it yeah, happens. It but, happens but he, to him, yeah. He he, 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 he fights. That's the biggest thing is that Biotish is going to fight, um, but you are going to see that'll pop every now and then. You'll see it like, oh, he's, you know, he's kind of getting bunny hopped backwards a little yeah. bit. But he, he held his own, and they're getting the ball out quick that's being neutralized a little bit now. I, I want to circle back to something you had just mentioned a few minutes ago um, about how they didn't take CD lamb away. What happens when one of these defenses in the coming week <laughs> says, we are not going to let CD lamb beat us. What does this offense look like? Do you think? Well, it without Brandon cooks, it can look, you know, it could look pretty pedestrian. If you want to use a word, Bobby, you just said, take away all the stuff that he did and it was a team that averaged three. I think, I think that you, when I was walking out of the press box to go to do, uh, I mean, this is a post game show. You said, you said, hey, is the Jets are outgaining the Cowboys, right? Or you had some kind of yeah, yeah. The comment. Jets were averaging more yards per play than the Cowboys. Than the, the Jets yeah. finished the game averaging more yards per play than the Cowboys. Yeah. But that just that that you know. So yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be. It's not going to be what it really needs. But to me, I, I, first take him away. Now, San Francisco, there's teams that have taken it. San Francisco took him away last year. When when you look at what, uh, you know, once Pollard, uh, Pollard got Pollard hurt. Got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, San Francisco, they took him away. I just can't believe that the Jets, and you're, you're going to get some teams like Arizona, New England coming up. Bill Belichick's going to watch that tape from from yesterday and go, because he's familiar with the Jets. He knows what it's like to play the Jets. You know, he understands them. Yeah. So he's like thinking, well, like, what the hell are they what, – what are they thinking? Why would you let him do that? And, you know, you got to figure out ways to, to try and take him out of the game. And, and there's teams that will. But the advantage is 
if you have guys like Cooks and you – I say Cooks, but the tight ends, I think the tight ends played well enough yesterday. They, I think they rebounded after a bad day of catching the ball, you yeah. know, in week one. But, hey, I'm, I'm not saying four targets to Tolbert, three catches. You know, those are that's, – that's building. That's building. There is something that has to be – that has to be done for Michael Gallup, though. There's got to be something. If you're going to create stuff for Deuce Vaughn in the second series of the game, my God, figure out a way. And I'm not talking about maybe forcing it, but find a way to kind of get Gallup going in one of these games. My, my guy, he, he goes across the middle, and it's like he's a – it looks like a pinata, you know, getting a hit, you know, going yeah. to get in the ball. You know, the catch he made, the one catch he made – there needs to be more going towards Michael. I'm not just talking about the sc- the smokes and the things, those screens and things. Needs to find a way to to kind of get him going because you're going to need him in this game. In one of these games that you're talking about, you're going to need Michael Gallup to have one of those, you know, six catches, 93 yard games with a touchdown. You're going to yeah. need him to have one of those. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And I want to circle back on two things here that we. But how does it look? Gallup how does it look? Not good. That, yeah. it, it won't look. It, it's not going to be good. Not, I, it, it, that's what I'm saying. It, but it's got to be Cooks, and it's got to be Gallup, and it's got to be Tolbert, and these tight ends. You know, it's, somebody else has got to make plays. I do. I want to touch on a couple things there with Gallup and Tolbert. First, I want to remind everybody that you are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, so uh, let's start with Gallup, um, since that's what you had left yeah. off with. Uh, I feel bad for the kid. I really do. I do, too. But here's the thing is that, like, when you look at over his last five games, if you include the playoffs, uh, Gallup's been targeted 19 times in the last five games. He has yeah. eight catches. Yeah. It's for 68 yards. He's yeah. he's not he's not been able to perform since he came back from that ACL the same way that he used to. And you remember there were a couple games last year where it was like, well, let's get Michael going. Let, let's, let's, let's feed Michael the ball. Same sort of thing coming out of halftime against the Giants. And I know we were just talking about it. Is it at all concerning that we're we're 17 games yes. into his, his Yes, return? I'll say yes right now. Whatever yeah. question you're about to ask me, yes. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're going to ask me, is it concerning that, that Michael Gallup is not looking like Michael Gallup before the knee that, injury? That specifically, yes. specifically that Gallup has never been a guy that you needed to get going. Like, he just would get going. He is, makes is that, is incredible yeah. – he, he can make some incredible catches. He is one of those guys, when you're not doing really well on offense, and maybe he has two catches, three catches, whatever, but one of his catches completely gets the offense going. Completely yeah. gets the offense going. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's he's always gotten the offense going. It's never been the offense having to get him going, which is right. what's a little concerning and about I, the last I'm, year. I'm trying to figure something out, Bobby. Well, I and just, here's, here's, here's my question for you. Is have we reached a point now with this new system, which is get the ball out quick, screen and stuff? Yep. Gallup's always been route seven, eight, nine. Is Gallup no longer a scheme fit here? That's that's what I'm fearful of now, Bobby. That's yeah. what I'm fearful of. You know, that's what I'm. 
is he is he a is he a round piece in the square hole? You know, yeah. that's what I, I wonder. But but you know, he's got toughness to run the slants and things like that. You know, you can the outs, you can hit him on the outs, those routes like that where he could he could toe tap. I mean, he's he's one of the best long sh- short play. I mean, I say long body, but when he plays, he could play like a really small guy. He could get feet down, he can contort. You know, he does a lot of things. I'm just this is me, Bobby. I'm 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 begging because I want to see him be successful. Yeah. But to your point, to your point, it might not be the right fit. I want him to do well because I've seen how hard he works. I want to. I've seen him how he's gone through some off the field things. He's a guy that always plays with a smile. You know, even you know he just wants to win. But you know, deep down inside, he sees Ceedee Lamb have eleven catches. You know, yeah. He sees that. He sees Tolbert have, you know, three catches or four catches, and and he sees that, and he's like, okay, he just wants to contribute. Yeah. He wants to contribute. He he doesn't want to be a guy that, you know, they gave him a nice little contract, and he's not living up to the contract because he's probably feeling like he's not being productive enough. And okay, fine, I'll find it. They'll find a way to get rid of me. He even said it when we were interviewing him. I I think I brought it a couple of different times. He's like, yeah, that one eight, you know, this is in training camp. Well, that one eight's making some plays. He's coming from a yeah. job, coming from a yeah. job, and he says it with a smile, but deep down inside, he's probably thinking, I need to do something here. You know, I need, yeah. I need to have a, I need to have a six catch, ninety two yard day, to kind of get, get myself going again. Get, get in his rhythm. It's, yeah. it's interesting. Now, I'm going to do something very visual here, so apologies to the, the listeners. But as you'll see here, Brian, as best I can, that's the little uh, throw yeah. chart for Dak. Throw charts, yeah. That does not look like a lot of Michael Gallup routes that are, are like, there's not a lot of routes there. that You got one deep ball way up there. That yeah. Who was it thrown to? It was thrown to Jalen Tolbert. It wasn't thrown to Michael Gallup yesterday. Man, that, the, is, last, the last guy I would throw that, that nine route to would be Tolbert. I've seen right him now, at, probably. I've now, seen him now, at South Alabama. Gonna... No, no, I've seen him at South Alabama, but it, it just felt like that he was so covered on the play. You know, there right, wasn't which... that separation, or you know, I that's didn't what see I mentioned. It. That was one of the other things I wanted to circle back on was the Tolbert angle. I uh, I thought it was really fascinating that the targets Tolbert got yesterday mm-hmm. were kind of in big moments. Like oh, yeah. they were third, they were third down throws. They were, hey, and, and what what did you think overall about how he he played? I mean, he didn't do anything dynamic, but what did you think no, about how see, he played? In the pregame, I told Eric Chiafalo on 105.3 The Fan. We we do the pre and post game show, and we talk about that a lot here. And I told I told uh, I told Eric. I said, listen, this is the game. Remember week two last year against Cincinnati. When when it when it was kind of bleak at wide receiver and there weren't things yep. weren't really going great, who in week two of Cincinnati had five targets, five catches, first down after first down after first down in that game? Noah Brown. Noah Brown. I yep. said somebody has got to be the Noah Brown in this game, and I said and I said Jalen Tolbert. Here we go, Jalen Tolbert, five targets, four first downs. Something like that. I was just yeah. thinking out loud. I was like, this is where this is. And I, and I didn't put that on, on Gallup. I put it on a guy like A because I knew that Tolbert would be the guy that was going to get, you know, he was going to be the third receiver in the offensive scheme. So if he got four targets, three catches, 
three first downs or whatever. That's that's what you that's what you needed right there. And they you, somebody needed to have a Noah Brown game. And Noah Brown won that game for you last year with the plays. Oh yeah, that, that was, that, those were those were big catches, and huge I think catches. the majority of them were third downs. They were third, third down, fourth down catch, a or touchdown. Something. Yeah. yeah, he. Had, I mean, it was crazy the type of game that Noah Brown had against Cincinnati in Week Two. But I was kind of thinking the same thing: the Jets, AFC opponent, somebody needs to step up. And I, I was, I was, I was. I think, I think Tolbert could build on that. Now I hope that what well what will probably happen is you'll get Cooks back. You'll turn in now people will say this and they were asking me on the post game show on Twitter and stuff. Yep. And thank you to folks at all that listen to the post game too and call in, text and all that stuff. But people were asking me, is there a possibility that we see Tolbert be the third receiver when even when Cooks is back? There's yeah. a lot of people because there are people already kind of throwing dirt. They're already throwing dirt on Michael Gallup, you know. And me personally, I, I don't want to see it. I, I can understand if Tolbert's a better player for the scheme fit. I could totally yeah. understand that. Yeah, he but, he he probably runs right now. He probably runs those routes more the way that the Cowboys. Would they're look supposed to be those. run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because that's you're, just you're not, not wrong. Not, Gallup's never been the Gallup's never been the you know the stop route the slant guy. Yeah. Gallup's always been the post the corner you know yeah. running the the verticals because one of his greatest traits is just the ability to track the deep ball the ability to you know Contour. have the sideline yeah. awareness he's right. he's really good at that and it just it may be that you know these are not the type of shots that they're going to take in this offense now that's one of the other things I want to talk about before we just we'll wrap up one more thing on the offense then we'll do some quick defensive talk before we get to the mailbag but when you look at the offense going two for six in the red zone. Uh, yeah. There's clearly still a lot of room to grow here for this, right. this offense. The fact that these route combinations are quick, short, get the ball out. Do you think that this is going to be an extended issue that look, once you get, once the field tightens up, shortens up and you're playing nose to nose, these designs aren't going to cut it and that there's going to have to be some sort of, because I feel like a lot of the efficiently getting down the field, it's it's because you've got space to make things happen as the field tightens. Those concepts need to change. Yeah. But I, what I saw was Tyron Smith missed two blocks. I saw a hinder shot on a jet sweep. If he just plants his right foot and dives for the line, he's going to score. Instead, yeah, it's, almost, it's almost like he's not a running back. It's well, weird. that's what I'm saying though. There, it's creativity. It's things yeah. they're trying if you if you hand that ball to uh, Turpin, that's probably a touchdown because he's yeah. he's you know what happens is is Hunter Lipke and and again the north the state of North Carolina uh, North excuse me North Dakota please I love your your Hunter Lipke I do I'm just saying though there's things that he's learning on the way he's learning about blocking he's learning how difficult it could be he's playing on the edge he's getting ragdolled a little bit. You know, he really didn't help Hendershot all that much with the way uh, Hendershot read the block. It, yeah. it didn't give him confidence to go outside. It didn't give him confidence to go inside. You know, that's on Hendershot. Creativity play, another creativity play. You're going to put Tolbert in a tight, tight slot, almost next to um, next to Ty, uh, Terrence Steele like he's a wing. So you put him there with some other other bodies. So you're trying to lose a receiver in the body area of the box. So, Dak, they're going to roll this thing to the right. 
They're going to try and delay a little bit with Tolbert and then run him up and then run him to the left side. And then they're going to throw the ball back. Well, what's happening? It's like there's three jet defenders standing on that side of the field. Dak then has to, you know, Dak gets sacked yeah. over there, you know. It's it's one of those plays where they tried to be a little creative with the jet sweep. They tried to be a little creative with the throwback. The Hendershot touch, uh, excuse me, the uh, Schoonmaker touchdown was a nice play. was a good mesh, getting him across kind of a little bit right to left, get a little bit mesh, run their guys through traffic, throw him the football touchdown. They missed a shot. Uh, they missed a shot to, uh, to Ferguson over the top. Ferguson beats three guys getting off the line. Next thing you know, he's in the corner. Dax just got to lay that ball in there. You know, that was a missed opportunity right yeah. there. So I'm telling you a bunch of things that are happening. The whole thing, they scored a touchdown on a six-yard running play. Again, holding on the backside by, Taren, uh, by Tyron Smith. There's things that have that hurt this offense. There's a side of me, though, that also believes, I said this on the postgame show, and I'll say it again right now, there's a side of me that Mike McCarthy says, I'm going to run the ball here, I'm going to run the ball here, I'm going to run the ball here, trying to toughen up his team. And this is, we're now yeah. in the era of not having Ezekiel Elliott anymore. We're done with Ezekiel Elliott. We'll see him, him in a couple of weeks. But we don't have that guy that's going to pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, and next you know, it's a fourth and one and you go for it and you score. That We don't have that guy. We don't. So I think McCarthy ran the ball with Pollard a little bit to try and maybe toughen his guys up. That, hey, you're going to have to block a little bit better up front maybe to get this guy to and through the hole. I, I could see I could see that. I, I could see him trying to do that because they did. They they ran their head a little bit at, at times in this game. Uh, Pollard carried the ball 25 times. He was under three yards of carry. So I, I could totally see that, understand that. Um Really quickly on the defense, just before we get to the mailbag, because I mean, there, there's how much more can you say about them than, than than we've already said? I guess here's the thing: is that when you watch this now, this is two weeks in a row. They they've done a good job of after the first drive against the Giants, snuffing out the run. They did a good job stopping the run yesterday. I thought Damone Clark played better. Um, you know, I, I thought their run fits in general were a little better. Is the only weakness on this team right now, Brian, the fact that? They have a tendency to get up the field so fast that they create the running lanes for the quarterbacks. Is that really the only weakness on the defense at this point? I think that if you ask me what the what the potential problems could be, yes. They are they are they do a tremendous job of getting up the field. They also do a tremendous job of with the pressure but they're not the most disciplined when it comes to okay, you have to stay in your lane and rush. You, yeah. or you, you know, when there's twist games and stuff, I completely understand it. But if you're going to have, if you're going to have Micah and you're going to have Tank and you're going to have Osa, all three of those guys can't end up on one side of the of the of the defense when they're rushing, you know. And then all of a sudden, yeah. somebody's getting blocked on the other side. They they can't have that happen because what happens is they're playing coverage. They're playing coverage. Maybe they're playing man coverage behind that. And they don't have somebody they're accounting for the quarterback. You know, they're trying to match everybody up in the secondary. So, yes, if they're the, the, the one weakness that this team has is they're so anxious to get up the field, but the lane integrity falls apart at times. And it's just, you know, they're, but when it's a beautiful way, man, when they rush, they, I mean, they get up the field. 
It's a problem. Uh, you could see it. You could see the stress level in the quarterback. You could see the stress level of the offensive linemen having to deal with it. You could see the stress level of the backs having to protect for it. It goes up. But they've got to play with a little bit more discipline when it comes to the paths that they take. You know, Because there's going to be some quarterbacks down the line that are going to hurt you running the football, mainly that guy in Philadelphia. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for the Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. Uh, first question here for Mario. After watching this team for two weeks, where on the schedule can you see their first loss occurring? I think they be. I think they win these next two. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how Bill Belichick defends them. Could it be yeah. this? I'm. I hate the Arizona Cardinals. The <laughs> the Cowboys have played in Arizona. I think four times here in the last four years. They've won one of those games. Arizona is a, is a, could be a a a house of horrors too, especially a team that let it fall apart. I, I'm I'm. Folks, I'm not sitting here. Bobby and I don't think. I don't think you're the same way, Bobby. I'm not trying to oversell anybody. If I don't no. think any, if I don't think anybody's any good, I'll tell you they're not any good. And I'm gonna sit down and yeah. watch the Arizona Cardinals play, and they might not be any good. They really might not be any good. But the problem you run into is if you have moments like where you look beautiful on a drive going down the field, and then the second series you go three and out. You know, you're kind of like, okay, well, why did that happen? Well, was it the defense? Was it self inflicted? But I, I worry about all NFL games. I just do. I just worry about you know, you've, you've, you're riding a good momentum right now. Your defense is playing well. You're getting guys back. Some, you know, it's going to have some healthy players. I'm scared of playing at all these places until I actually could sit down and watch the Cardinals and say, okay, they're a bad football team. But they let the Giants off the hook. They were up yesterday. They had a chance to win a game. They had a chance to, to put the Giants out. And make everybody feel bad about them being 0-2. Yeah. You know, the commanders, how about them coming back in Denver? I wouldn't have said that. I don't think they were, you know. There's, all these games are that way. They're the all only, way. The, through two weeks, the only loss in the NFC East is when an NFC East team was playing each other. Yeah. Eagles are 2-0, Cowboys 2-0, right. Washington 2-0, and and then the Giants have just one loss, and it was to Dallas. See, the, 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 problem, the problem I have, I, Dallas could very well – Dallas could lose to now. Dallas has won nine straight games at home. That's yeah. pretty pretty damn good. I just worry about Belichick coming up with some. Yeah, how about that blocked field goal they had the other yesterday? You yeah. know, they run the guy down the line and boom. Think about that. Think about if you did that to, for the end of a game to try and win a game. You know, it's like you have to get a block to win the game, and they throw yeah. that at you and they block it. That's the kind of crap that you have. You know, when you when you play New England. The last time they played New England was an overtime throw. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Overtime to CeeDee Lamb. That was the. Uh, that was the. That was when Dak hurt the calf. Yeah, like that the last play that, of the game. Throw. The last yep. play of the game. Yeah, basically hurt 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 the calf. So I, I, I don't think where the Cowboys could lose. Geez, they could lose at Arizona. They could lose at New England. They, you could you could lose to anybody. You could lose that, to anybody in this I'll league. Say, I'll say this. I'll say it this way. I would not wrestle with who to pick 
I'm, I'm going not. To pick, I'm going to pick them the next two weeks. I would not wrestle with who to pick until week five against San Francisco. That's they, where they, I think they've yet to prove they could beat San Francisco. San, Fran- San Francisco is, and we talked about it a little bit uh, on Saturday's episode. Tampa or San Francisco is very clearly. I don't want to say in their head, but they're they're present of mind for this football team a lot. They yeah. they know, and I kind of love it, Brian. It feels like a little bit of heyday, a little. I mean, it's not quite the same. Obviously, you're talking about two, you know, teams loaded with Hall of Famers in the '90s. But I, I like this. It's it's very familiar, like like just a callback to an era of a really great, uh, you know, rivalry. And this is one that's been a little one sided lately. But I, I like that the the two two of the three really strong powers it feels like in the NFC right now are classic rivals, and I, I think that that's. That's a cool thing for us right now is that I do love that this is something yeah. that matters to the Cowboys. Somebody asked me a question last night on uh, in postgame, and, and as Zach and I were talking about it, Zach Wolchuk, and we were talking about who is the bullies. And I, I, I think San Francisco's a bully. I think San Francisco's a bully team. They go yeah. to Pittsburgh and beat up on, you know, and someone says, what's Dal- what's, is Dallas not a bully? Dallas is getting there, but you know what? Dallas has got to go to San Francisco and win that football game. You have to go to you. You can't go to San Francisco and lose and get embarrassed or whatever, and then expect to like, oh well, hey, we'll just show up in January and it will be fine. I know teams change along the way, but you got to find a way to get that monkey off your back right now. You've got to go in there and be a bully and beat. San Francisco, but you got to find a way to beat Arizona and beat New England to make it that game have a lot of meaning for it. Yeah, that that's going to be a big one. That one, I mean, honestly, that's there's an argument to be made that that Dallas San Francisco game is going to be one of the at least heading into it. We don't know how it'll play out, but that has a potential to be a game of the year type of thing for the regular season because these yeah. are two. But but San Francisco right now, I think until they prove they can beat San Francisco, and they've been in these games, they've been capable of winning them. Um, but right now, San Francisco is is definitely has a I, I think a psychological advantage over this football team. Is that Dallas could even feel like they're more talented than San Francisco right now? San Francisco still got a psychological advantage, and I think that's huge. They've got to they got to feel like they can beat this team in a big moment and on the road. Prime time, you're 4-0. Yes. Yes. That'll be a big game yeah. if they're able to get Huge there like game. that. Huge game, yeah. Uh, all right, next question here from Kyle. Is there any buyer's remorse on Donovan Wilson? It seems like Bell and Thomas are filling in more than adequately for him. I'll say this, uh, and I know we've mentioned it before. Dan Quinn, when we talked to him in Oxnard, had said that Donovan Wilson was one of the guys that he points to as yes. like telling yeah. new players how to play the game of football. Right. Like, hey, this is this is, follow his cues for physicality and how to handle yourself. This is our guy here. I don't think there's any buyer's remorse. I think they just look at it as an embarrassment of riches. And they think, well, we can play this guy in the box. We can. The way Dan Quinn's mind works, I think, is when he has a lot of players, he doesn't, you know, at a certain position, he doesn't think, well, I got to play one here, one play. He gets excited about, ooh, how can I use this person in a different way to get them on the field? And and the outcome is that. I think Marquise Bell had a really good game, I, I thought, yesterday. He tackles um, so well. He's around he the ball. He's got a nose for the ball. He plays seven plays. He has like three tackles. He just knows how to get to the football. Buyer's remorse? No, not at all. You know why? Because Donovan Wilson is going to win you a football game. You know that bully game that we were talking about in Santa Clara? 
that could be a game where Donovan Wilson lights somebody up and the ball comes flying out and Dallas gets yeah. it and the game's over. Yep. That's that's where Donovan Wilson is going to come in. I, I No, buyer's remorse on him, absolutely not. That kid's is as tough. And if Dan Quinn is saying that, hey, wait a minute, I need this guy, I need this guy, eh, I'm buying. I'm totally buying what he's saying. Is this, by the way, Brad Sham brought this up when we talked to him on 105 Through the Fan on Monday morning, and I, I actually I didn't push him on it because we were he was in the middle of an answer and moved on. But he said he felt like this was the best safety group they've had as a collection uh since the 70s safeties mm. that the cowboys that's had. waters and uh and harris yeah so i i personally would go back Mark more to washington like, maybe in the, i'd say the 93 because that was thomas everett darren woodson yeah. james washington 94 was brock marion darren woodson see james but I, okay but see the thing about it was the one guy that the these guys right here i I, I could They're say very, I, no. I could deep. say the guys that they have now could have probably played on those teams in the 1990s. Yeah. You know, you'd have found a spot for Wanye Thomas. You would have found a spot for Bell. You just found a spot for Wilson. You know, you oh, I'll, have, t- I'll tell you who would have stuck on those 90s teams. Who Jimmy would have loved was Curse. Yeah, Curse would have been. Yeah, Curse long, would have been in that defense. Yeah, long run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that uh, kind of. Swagger, yeah, leader. Yeah. He would have loved him. No question. No question. He would have so, loved him. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I thought it was interesting though. When I thought about it, I was I, I had a, I recoiled a little bit, but then I was like, man, I think well, I do got to go well, at least Cliff back Harris, thirty years. Which no, is Cliff forever. Harris back in the seventies. Cliff Harris and Charlie Waters were outstanding. I grew up watching them play. Toughness. That that was that was when you could be a safety and go head hunting a little bit. That was a time when you had the Jack Tatum's in in Oakland yeah. and. You know, and then later Ronnie Lotts, you know, when he moved from corner to safety in San Francisco, uh, you know, Mel Blunt in Mel Blunt in uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, you know, with those guys. I mean, they had they had some guys that would flat knock you out. And, and you know, the Cowboys have got. I will say this though, I was a little disappointed, and I and I've been critical of Hooker, and this is not one of those I told you so moments. This is not the case at all because his interception was a really good play. He, he, made, saved, he covered some ground. He, he saved Diggs. He surely saved Diggs. I felt like, though, if, if, if in fact there wasn't enough, many more air on the ball that maybe Wilson catches that ball. But the fact that there was air under it, I really think it helped Hooker. But on the slant, there's a couple of things that happened. It was Leighton Vanderish opened to his right and the ball went back to his left. And I, I, to me, I was just kind of wondering, I wonder what drew his attention to where he opened him when he was on his drop, where he opened to right. Maybe he was thinking strength of the formation and that. But, man, to me, the one guy that I feel like can was going to get the ball at any time would be Wilson. I'd probably open to his side. It might have been something scheme-related that why, but he the ball went right behind him. But Hooker's got a tackle, though, too. The, the ball gets inside Gilmore. Gilmore's chasing Hooker's there. He's just got to. He's just got to wrap up in space. Come up, wrap up in space, and it's a nice gain. It's not a, but it's not a sixty-eight yard backbreaker play, because yeah. the Cowboys, the Cowboys are in a situation where okay, now the game's kind of tight again. Dak almost throws the pick six. I say almost. You know, we talked about it. Hey, what's the one thing you can't do? You can't hesitate with these guys. You got to be committed. You got to get the ball out. You got to do all that. Yeah. That that. That that was a big play. That sixty-eight yard touchdown was at the time 
was a big, big play in that game. So Malik Hooker just got to wrap up in that chance and get Wilson on the ground there. Keep it to a minimal gain if you can. Yeah, you know, it's wild. That happened midway through the second quarter. That was the first conversion, and it came as a touchdown. But that was the first conversion the defense had given up all game because the only other first down they had gotten was that fake punt on fourth down when the defense wasn't even on the field. Uh, All right, Brian, last question here for you. This one from Cooper uh, or Copper, I guess Copper Brewer. Uh, Which is more impressive, the D-line pressure, the pass defense, or the pick slash rub routes that they've been running on offense? Which are you more impressed with? All right, say say one more time on me, please. Say one more time. So which are you more impressed with right now, the defensive line pressure, the pass defense, the secondary, I assume, uh, or the pick slash rub routes on offense? I think it's the pass rush. I think it's a pat they they've they've been they're just dominant. They're relentless. They're absolutely relentless rushing the passer. If you had to power rank them, I think then the rub routes and the what we've seen um from the offense, the the ability to create space would be second. And then give me the coverage on the back end. Gilmore's a I know Gilmore had the play where he gave it up yesterday. We just talked about that. But Gilmore's such a big upgrade from over from what they've played with in the past the past couple of years yeah he's and I think just a big he's a big upgrade he just we is mentioned, we mentioned the safeties when was the last time you think the cowboys had three corners this capable Diggs, bland and gilmore gosh darn jordan lewis got on the field yesterday on third down and yeah. got me 10 snaps or how much he played they try and throw the ball they try and drag the, the drag a receiver across they get pressured the ball you know wilson's having to throw it inside Jordan Lewis undercuts the route, makes the ball go wide, you know, makes the throw go wide. So, yeah, I mean, throw him in there, too. You talk about four guys that can cover. Is know? this the best? Uh, I think it was 08. 08 was the year where they had Terrence Newman, Anthony Henry, Mike Jenkins, and Orlando Skandrick. I think that was probably the last time their corner group was that strong. And even then, it was two young guys who were still unproven. Yeah, yeah. And an so, old man, and an old man, and Terrence Newman. Oh well, yeah, he was, he was drafted he, as an old man. He was drafted as an old man. Yeah, <laughs> he would he would have been. I mean, even then, it would have been. People years. were like, it was so funny. Real quick story on that. People he were like, for twenty years. That's what I'm saying. It was one of those things where Terrence Newman. It's like, gosh, he drafted an old corner, and he played like thirty years. Is what yeah. he did. He, he he. You know, he was he was one of those guys. Yeah, good for he him. He was the. Uh, I'm trying. I think he was the. He was the last of the Parcells era guys to play or to retire. I think, or maybe there would have been a guy in 05, but he lasted longer than I think Romo and Witten did. Witten left, came back, and I think outlasted him. But for continuous play, it was Newman. I mean, he played till he was 40. Now I think he's uh, he's coaching in Minnesota. I think it is now. Um, but he carved out a nice the university or his high school. No, uh, Vikings. He was coaching with the Vikings. Zimmer oh, he's coaching with the- Zimmer had put him on staff. I don't know if he stayed okay. through the changes, but he was on staff with Zimmer. Yeah, real quick, real quick story. I taught him how to play golf, and he, <laughs> took, and he took like 150 bucks from me one day, and I'm like, I didn't even know we were playing for money, bro. And like, yeah, <laughs> but uh, he, he, he and I, the first time, he, and he's now a really good golfer. But the first time he ever played golf, and then you now here he is, like he took money from me, and I paid him. I said, "I'm never playing golf with you again." You know, I didn't know we were playing for money. You know, that kind of thing. He, what is it? Uh, you know, uh, catch him a fish for a man, or yeah, give a man a was, fish, yeah. teach a man to fish. It was all that yeah, exactly. All right, that does it for us here today on the Love the Star podcast. We will talk to you guys again two more times this week for Brian Broadus. I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again next time.